Hooray Run Podcast Episode 20. Amanda Loudon is back for a third time. Amanda is my running writing resource. Her work has appeared in the Washington Post, Runner's World, ESPNW, Outside, Competitor. Amanda was on Episodes 11 and 17. Episode 11 was more of a get-to-know-you podcast, talking about her background in running and writing, her career development. Episode 17, she gave her take on the 2018 Boston Marathon, had a great conversation on this year's Boston Marathon with her, episode 17. This episode focuses primarily on Amanda's trip out to the UTMB, Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, the toughest ultra marathon in the world, attracts a ton of top names, 171 kilometer race, that's over 100 miles. We talk about storylines from the race, her experience there. The race goes through France, Italy, and Switzerland. I also get Amanda's take on Elliot Kipchoge's insane 201.39 marathon, Berlin. Before we get to the conversation, leave a review for this podcast. That'd be awesome. Leave a five-star review. And as always... My friend Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Mikey, you got to drop that beat for us. Joining me on the line now, she's been on a couple episodes now for Aaron Podcast, a resource for me in the running writing community. She traveled out to UTMB for that magnificent ultra running race, and it's Amanda Loudon. Amanda, thank you for joining her Run podcast for a third time now, becoming commonplace here. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. <laughs> that, you're, uh, that you uh, are interested in, in any of my views, so thanks. <laughs> you know, I was interested in, we on a, the last episode you were on, we talked about your website and how you can find writing and all contact information, and I went on maybe a month ago, a few weeks ago, and it's a new look website. So you did do the redesign. I did. I, I handed it over to someone else, which is the most uh, intelligent move to make on that because I have no technical skills. Uh, and yeah, I was really pleased with, with the, the job she did. So um, um, hopefully it looks good and user friendly. Oh, yeah. I'm digging the makeover. I really was Thank pleased. You. When I Thanks. saw that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and you're running still. You said 35, 40 miles a week now? How's it yeah. been? Yeah, typically, I mean, I, I tell you, um, the more I get on trails, the more that's all I want to do. Uh, but um, where I, well, I'm in Maryland and, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's like a 10, 15 minute drive to get onto um, my state park trails, which I love. Um, but this summer and it's continuing as we speak has been just extraordinarily wet here. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's kind of putting a little bit of a damper on, um, how often we can get out there because, you know, you've got to keep the ethics of, of running on washed out trails in mind and the damage you might be doing out there. And so, um, haven't been out to get on, be able to get on trails as often as I would like, but, um, you know, but yes, yeah. so um, running as much as I want to right now. Um, did a 15 K trail race a few weeks back, that kind of thing. So okay. yeah, it's lots of fun. Are you mainly a morning runner? I, I'm almost exclusively a exclusive. morning runner. Almost, almost. I mean, yeah, there's the 
rare occasion, I'll uh, throw in like something shorter um, or if I've traveled and that's the only time I can get it in or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure your affinity for the trails got a humongous boost when you traveled out to France for UCMB. Yeah, that's um, that's trail nirvana there Um, (laughs) where we were staying. I mean, I could just walk across the street and there is the entire trail system, you know, right at right at your doorstep, basically. And it's just incredible and amazing. And you can choose, you know, staying a little bit lower, going up around the middle level of trails or going way up high, you know. So, um, you know, where you see some of those iconic um, shots out from, you know, the Mont Blanc and, yeah. and that region. So, yeah, yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> it was Labor Day weekend. And yes. How long were you there then? Um, about six days. Um, got in a, a few days in advance of the race, um, which was helpful because um, we were able to kind of rest up a little bit and, and you know, be prepared because um, I was able to follow the race overnight, uh, you know, by, um, you know, taking you'd nab a couple hours of sleep and then you'd head out and, um, catch the race, you know, um, maybe in, in another, well, I went, I went to Italy to catch it in the middle of the night to Cormier, yeah. um, caught it back in Switzerland the next morning, you know, and then back into France. So that's, that's pretty cool. So yeah. And this is a 171 kilometer race. It is arguably almost hands down the toughest ultra marathon in the world. I will say it is the toughest. And I think that's a, fair. You get a ton of top competition, like you said, Nirvana and UTMB historic in all its ways. We saw a lot of carnage on the course this year, and yeah. And before I get into some of those stories with you, just to be clear, you didn't you were there strictly for reporting and writing reasons. You didn't run any of the trail. Correct. I mean, I you know I I, I did some running there, but not yeah no nothing. Uh, nothing official or any part of the race or anything. <laughs> um, yeah. And for folks who don't know, I mean, it is a very tough qualification um, process just to get into UTMB. Yes. Um, so that, you know, even the people you have up to 46 hours to finish. Um, but even the people who are finishing in the forties, I mean, they are not slackers. So Mm-mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. So some of this DNFing we saw top names, mm-hmm. um, didn't see, an American man in the top 10 and we saw a couple American women in the top 10, but a lot of the heavy favorites, the Killian Jornet beasting Jim Walmsley, Jim Walmsley, the fatigue and the, um, struggle he had around what mile was Walmsley really feeling it? Oh, you know, I mean, he went out aggressively and was in the lead, um, for quite some time. And, but by Cormier, which is where, where I, in Italy, where I was, um, which was, what were we, 80K into it maybe at that point? He was clearly in distress there. Um, you yeah. know, but, but yeah, I mean, he had been passed up by several of the top people. And when he came in, he probably spent 15, 20 minutes in the aid station. And then let's, let's, you know, compare that to like Xavier who won. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in and out of that aid station. I, I mean, it, it felt like a, Trap on transition, how fast he came in and out, you know, like you're just yeah, like, oh, yeah. that is unbelievable that you're running this far and you're able to transition that fast. Um, yeah. So, um, so he was definitely in trouble by that point. Okay. Um, yeah. And Jim was a heavy favorite coming into this high expectations, just crushed the yeah. Western States 100 course record. Yeah. And in the yeah. article you had for runner's world, he was 
saying, you know, maybe I, maybe it was a risk to, to do Western States followed by UTMB same summer. And did you sense some remorse in him after the race? Did you, did you see maybe a moment of regret that he... Um. I mean, you know, I think this is how Jim likes to race. And I think he's not going to ever race differently. Or maybe 10 years down the road, he'll be racing differently. But I think this is how Jim races. He is going to go out, you know, balls to the walls from the start. And um, sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. And so I think, you know, if there's anything he's rethinking, it's maybe can he be doing both these races, which are, it's such a tight turnaround. Mm -hmm. And And can anyone really do these two races at the very top? you know, um, on, in any given year. I mean, I think it's something I'm I'm actually, you know, trying to pursue a little bit of an article on that because I think it's, it's, you know, something that, that is, um, worth examining, you know, and I think the part of it is with ultras is that it's, um, it's sort of uncharted territory, right? We, we don't know yet. It's still such a, you know, new ish, um, extension of, of running that, you know, whereas like on the road, the elites kind of have it down to a science, right? We know they mm-hmm. can do one or two decent marathons a year and that's the end of it. Um, with ultras, they're, they're still kind of testing the limits. And so I think Jim, you know, maybe it's just, just, you know, it's something he, I think he's going to have to look at closely and, and maybe make choices. You know, other people, other people did make choices, you know, Magda, she definitely gave up Western States this year in favor of training for UTMB. Right. Um, you know, Tim Tollefson, he only does UTMB as, as a 100 every year. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. And you said that the Walmsley feature for Runner's World, you said that was one of your favorite reporting moments. Can you explain why? Well, I, I think um, Jim is just such an interesting character in um, in the whole mix of, of ultra running right now. And, you know, the things that he can do are, I mean, you know, what he did at Western States is incredible. And I, so I think, you know, we're hopefully going to have him around for a long time. And so it was really fun for me to be able to get in and get that interview the day after the race. Um, you know, we were all tired the day after the race and, and, you know, a lot of us, you know, could have enjoyed other things that day, but I, I really wanted to see if I could get in and talk to him and, and being able to was, was pretty cool. So, yeah. 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 I thought it was interesting at the end of that, that article, he, he slated to run the North face 50 in San Francisco come November. Mm-hmm. And he, mm-hmm. but he kind of said, maybe, maybe not. He said, I'll have to look at the calendar and see what I'm up for, if anything, for the rest of 2018. And right yeah. now he's going to be focusing on that rest and recovery yeah. after this UTMB tough go. Did he, sure. did he mention anything else on the North face 50? Not really. Um, just, I think he had had one other that he was originally planning between, um, UTMB and North face. And I think he has definitely taken that off the calendar. Um, and I can't remember which one he told me that was, but, um, yeah. no, that was really all I said. And I mean, I, I think that's definitely going to line up to be a, um, a pretty good race. It looks like there are a lot of top people who are going to be showing up. So it's going to be a pretty deep field. I think and it'll be interesting. I hope he does. I hope he does show up for it. Yeah. Sure. You already mentioned Mag Boulay. Yeah. And you did a, a write-up on her for ESPNW. Did you see her at all out on the course? Did you talk to her while you were there? Um, only before and then right after. Um, but not just, So the, I, th- I would say the shame of UTMB, uh, one of the hard things is you almost have to pick 
um, if you don't have multiple people on a team, for instance, like, like I run far, you know, like they've got, you know, they, they have like someone who, who's covering the women's end and someone who's covering the men's end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing that's kind of hard as one person to be able to cover both, um, live as it's happening because there's such a spread in time between, it's not like a, you know, again, a, a, like a marathon, it's not going to be all that long. If you see the men's lead pack come through, it's not going to be that much longer before you get to see the women's lead pack come through, but yeah. UTMB, you got to kind of pick or choose. So, um, so no, I didn't get to see her on course. Um, and, uh, but I know, you know, in talking with her afterward, you know, that was, uh, just an unfortunate trip and fall and she mm-hmm. tried to, tried to keep going and, um, kind of like Tim Tollefson, you know, it just, the, the toll on their bodies from those falls was just too much to be able to think they could withstand it for the remainder of the race. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a downer when you see those reports and a lot of folks in the ultra running community just easy to root for. And Meg does definitely one of those who you just want to see, you want the best for her and absolutely see that much preparation and do a race of this magnitude and like that. It's tough. It is. And she, absolutely. Um, I know she's got yeah. the spirit to keep per- persevering and for sure to the next race. For sure. Yeah. And she's just, you know, she's just a, one of those, gosh, she's just so down to earth and, and yeah. humble and, you know, um, joyful with her running. And so, you know, yeah, you definitely want to cheer for her and, 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 uh, and I, I, I hope that she'll be back next year and, and, and have a great day. So, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite YouTube videos is the 15 hours clip from Billy Yang. Billy Yang does a lot of sweet running footage and yeah. there's a like a seven, eight minute video, 15 hours with Meg Boulay by Billy Yang. Yes. Yes. I yes. recommend that watch. And yes. the beasting to Killian, how quickly did that news go around the the area there at the start and did that just spread like wildfire? Was it kind of known from the uh, gun? No, I don't think any of us knew it on the start line. I mean, you know, he walked down and looked like, you know, just like any other day and, you know, yeah. every, the, the excitement was there and, and I don't think any words had spread about it yet at that point. And I think I, he was still in it yet for my air. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think, yeah, I, 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 I just knew anything until, yeah. until he had dropped. And then, you know, the, the rumors started spreading and we started hearing about this and, I mean, just, you know, what a crazy set of circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> any other, so, any other underlying stories or, or things that stuck out to you while you were there? Things that maybe you want to share here that maybe you didn't get in a featured article or in the news of top finishers, just what stuck, stood out to you that day or those few days you were there watching the race unfold? I mean, I think two things. I think one is that, you know, from the results, um, if you watch how the women's race unfolded and if you watch how the men's race unfolded, um, I think UTMB has to be a game of patience. I, I don't think it's something you can attack. I mean, we had Zach Miller and, and Jim Walmsley who just attacked the course and mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, um, kind of, kind of bit them for, for having approached it that way. I think Tim Tollefson, had he not taken that fall, I think it would have been really cool to see what would have happened with him. Cause I think he was playing the right game. You know, yeah. I really do. Um, so, and then the other observation I'll just give is like more of a, um, European versus American, um, ultra environment. I mean, goodness sakes, the crowd support out there is so amazing. They, it's like, you know, you feel like it's kind of like the tour de France of ultra running. I mean, people are so yeah. into it. And I thought what was really cool was, you know, so it starts at 6 PM on a Friday 
and people have 46 hours to complete it. And so, you know, I was down around the finish line again on Sunday, you know, say like at 2 p.m. And the crowds are still just as thick and excited and cheering everyone else in and, you know, that many hours later. And I think that's so neat, you know. And I mean, imagine that here in the States, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just a completely different environment and, um, you know, re- really, really neat to see. And, um, you know, I wish some of that would, would bleed over here a little bit, I sure. guess. So, yeah. Sure. I, I've yeah. read I've read pieces on that, too, the differences and and how major of a sport it is over there especially when UTMB rolls around yeah it's just incredible it really is it really is are there a lot Um, of post-race gatherings parties did you notice kind of a jovial vibe after the race um I think there definitely is I think Sunday felt very quiet um you know I think especially you know most of the athletes were tired and um you know we had press conferences before and then press conferences after and, you know, there was definitely a, a much quieter vibe on Sunday. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, I think like in town and everything else, you know, yeah, every, everyone, you know, around town is um, having a great time of it. And um, just, you know, I think the town definitely takes a big, um, it's a big boost from from all the influx of, of folks there to support it and, and celebrate it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. You'd go back in a heartbeat. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. That, that was my second time in Chamonix. And, um, okay. I just, you know, I, I am in love with that place. It's, it's, it's pretty much perfect. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I have to get out there myself, just seeing the photos from the race and some that you took and just yeah. the, the featured photo books and whatnot. It just, Oh, it makes me want to go run right away. And I want to, uh, I want to yeah. see that environment myself one day. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I want to transition here to some of your recent writings, the one that hit the Washington Post and gained a lot of steam here about resting being yeah. an integral part of of endurance training and just athletics in general, that rest is so important. What what uh what's the basis of this article? Did you did you just have a kind of an itch to write something like this about rest? How did it come to be? Yeah, I think more than anything, yes, um, is the answer to that. And I think that, I, I guess I was just kind of picking up on, I, I think there is starting to be more recognition of that that importance of balance. And I think that, um, you know, for instance, I talk in there a little bit about the Rest Day Brags movement. And, yeah. um, you know, I think people are starting to acknowledge it, starting to rethink it. And, um, you know, I just think it's a message that needs to, to be broadcast um, over and over again until it really kind of sinks in. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just reached out to, you know, folks that I knew, um, you know, had experience with that one way or the other, good good or, or otherwise, or have learned lessons. And, um, and uh, yeah, it turned into, a, I think, a, a pretty nice, you know, feature that, that uh, people could, um, you know, give, give them more food for thought on it again. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. a well, it's a well-sourced piece too. You talk to a sports psychology consultant, you talk to a physician and a professor from West Virginia University, the School of Medicine. Do you yeah. make those connections on social media? How do you work the lines to get those sources? Yeah, I mean, some some of my sources, you know, are, are some that I will return to, like Adrian, the sports psychologist. Um, I have her and uh, Justin Ross are kind of my go-to sources for sports psychology because they're both so. Um, just, you know, so experienced with it and have such great advice. Um, Mark Kukazella, who I mentioned in there, he's kind of a, um, it, it's funny, he actually grew up in the town where I live. Um, and I met him maybe a decade ago, because he lives about an hour away from here now. And 
he's kind of a pioneer in natural running and um, mm-hmm. has done some great things down in West Virginia just in terms of increasing um, the health of the population in West Virginia, which is one of the um, states that you know suffers from really high obesity rates. Um, and uh, so he's somebody that you know I, I really he's always learning, he's always educating. Um, and I just think he's kind of like a Yoda of, of healthy running. And so, um, he's someone I'll, I'll turn to, you know, uh, for, for things like that too. He's just a great source. So yeah. Yeah. Title is no pain, no gain. Sounds tough, but you may only be hurting yourself. Had some good takeaways from that article and appreciate your writing of it. And oh, good. I, I did see, I did see it got some good traffic and people talking about it in the comments section and it's yeah. important. It is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it was funny. I, I, I don't always read comments, but I, I, I don't know. I, I happened to glance through them and um, it just it did give me a good chuckle because there was a, a couple of classic, you know, you're going to ruin your knees um, comments. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. Have we not gotten rid of this myth yet? You know, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah, I was curious, too, how much you read feedback on your writing. So you, you peruse the comment sections here and there now, now and again, now and again. And I mean, I'm not someone who's thin skinned and it <laughs> doesn't really bother me. I get, I get actually a little bit of, of, of a laugh out of some people's comments. So, um, you know, I, I mean, internet trolls are internet trolls. So <laughs> you have to, you have to take them with a grain of salt and, um, yeah. And as a source of entertainment, I guess. <laughs> sure. sure. What's the next writing piece for you? Got anything in the works right now? Um, what am I working on? I tell you what, today I have been um, kind of hot and heavy on like 20 different directions of things. And um, I'm really in a very big, heavy pitch stage today. Um, right. So putting things together there, I've got like one, one deadline this week that's, um, it's not, it's, it's, it's more of a roundup on um, a, a different type of uh, fitness clothing that's kind of emerging a, a new category. But um but yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm like, I've got a million things in, in the hopper right now. And, and okay. I know, yeah. So <laughs> by next week, I'll probably have some, some good assignments going out of what's, what's swirling in my head. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I did see you post a link to an article outside, outside article, American running needs more female coaches written by Aaron Strout. And yeah. I read that one just in the past week. And what did you take away from this? It's, it's really honing in on just why why running in this nation needs more of a woman's presence in coaching positions. Did you know Erin? Did you did you talk to her about this article or, or just give your feedback on Erin's Yeah, piece no. Here? I mean I'm I'm more of an admirer of Erin's work and, and you know um being, you know, in the same basic niche area. I mean, we, you know, I, I have like a kind of a Twitter relationship with her. Um, and you know, I, I love the work that she does. She does these great deep dives. And I also love, um, that outside is definitely putting some focus on these areas concerning women and sports and women in the outdoors and, um, where the disparities lie. And so, um, I think, you know, Aaron did a great job of, of highlighting that, um, you know, and I, it's, it's interesting because I did a piece for ESPN, I don't know, in the summer around the time of the, um, IAAF world championships. And I did a piece on a female coach who was taking over the, um, the U18 team to, uh, worlds. And she was the first female coach to, to lead a USATF team 
made up of, of, of males and females. Um, so there have been some female coaches for female teams, but not, you know, it's the first time a female broke through, uh, as a coach for a, you know, she's coaching both males and females, you know, and it's just, it is, it's kind of crazy and a little disheartening that we're, you know, this far along in the game and, (laughs) and that there's still this kind of disparity going on, Mm. you know, Mm. it's funny. Um, I think I'm in a field where I don't, feel it so much or maybe because I'm in freelance work and I'm not in an office environment or whatever I don't necessarily get exposed to it as much but then you know these stories are out there and it's true and it's real and we have a long way to go yeah yeah she had Shalane Flanagan giving quotes in this article to Shalane the 2017 yeah. New York City Marathon champion well known in the running community part of the Bowerman Track Club and I just wanted to read one of these quotes she had from Shalane here. That's she said. That's a big factor in why I feel confident attacking this goal. That she's talking about coaching for the Bowerman Track Club after she's done with her running career. She said that might be limiting other women from coaching at the professional level. A lot of them may not feel like they have mentors. I've been taught throughout the years, specifically with Jerry Schumacher, observing and asking questions, kind of grooming me toward this because I expressed interest in it. And she said too at the end of this quote here i don't think there are a lot of companies out there recruiting women to these positions she's talking about nike here so she's saying it's not like nike came to me with this job i created it i asked them to give it to me so having to be bold in this pursuit of this coaching position kind of creating it for herself i thought that was a powerful piece of this with the name like shalane flanagan offering these words and and backing aaron in her writing and saying yeah Yeah. we need need more woman presence in these coaching positions for sure. And I think it might be kind of interesting now that we see this real, um, uh, gross, not the word, but this real kind of like heyday of women's running right now. I mean, America's putting out some incredible female runners, not that there aren't incredible male runners, but uh, I think we're definitely in a heyday of, of women's running right now. And so perhaps as some of these women who have such strong, incredible credentials, you know, as they face retirement age, if they do, you know, kind of gravitate toward coaching that that you know maybe it will you know be the tipping point and mm-hmm. and change, change the future of that of uh the, the makeup of of coachings yeah sure. so yeah do you did you notice much coaching interaction at utmb i'm curious about this in the ultra ultra running world did you did you notice a lot of coach athlete relationships at utmb well i mean during the race they each only have one crew member so um and, and they just meet you at the aid stations. So um, as far as that goes, it's um, kind of a, you know, a hands-off, I guess, once they're out there and they're on, on the course. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you may or may not choose your coach. And I think probably most of them don't, from what I can tell. Um, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of the leaders who had spouses maybe crewing for them or, um, you know, a friend or, or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I know the the you know, Magda, you know, like her husband was there in a support role, but not her crew member. Um, but he was definitely, you know, ca- kind of keeping on top of her and making sure she was doing the things she needed to do for a good race and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like trying to, trying to maybe even, you know, like, um, shelter her a bit from, from too much, um, you know, interview time and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're there. Um, but you know, to what degree of a role they play once the race is underway, I would say it's probably a little more minimal than, okay. yeah, than what you might see. <laughs> Yep, tougher to to follow your your athlete throughout a 104 mile course too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, and it's funny because I was sitting with um at at one of the one of the aid stations. I was um kind of hanging out by um Mario Frioli, who I mean, you, I'm sure you know him from the Morning Shakeout, and yes. he is 
he's Tim Tollefson's coach and, um, you know, kind of chatting about things. And, um, as time was going on, we were waiting on Tim and, um, he didn't say this to me, but he said to someone else in my group somewhere nearby, he said, I'm starting to get a bad feeling. And it was not much, you know, just a few minutes later that we got word, you know, that Tim had to drop. And, um, yeah, so that was, you know, that was, you felt so bad for, I mean, it just, you know, you could, oh, you could see Mario just, you know, he was just crestfallen, you know? So, um, so that, that, that investment between coach and athlete is, is definitely, you know, evident. Sure. Yeah. Did I see you tweeted that the women's podium at UTMB was all masters runners? Yeah. Top three? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, uh, winner was 47. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of love that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? Why do you, do you find maybe runners in their late thirties and forties finding a lot of success on the trails? Yeah, I think maybe I'm going to go again with the, um, the patience required for something like that, you know, and, um, patience and wisdom and, um, biding your time as you go along a course like that. So, um, you know, I mean, maybe I'm off on that, but I think that, and, and, you know, I mean, it's not something that requires fast twitch muscles, um, you know, that, that might be more prevalent in a um, younger age group. So, sure. um, yeah, I guess all those things probably play into their favor. Mm-hmm. Being there, Amanda, did it give you any inclination or thought that you might want to attempt UTMB at some point? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was sitting there and I, I was um, I was standing next to uh, uh, Fritz Huber from, from uh, outside and I said, you know, what is it about finish lines that makes you want to go do these races? You know, um, So, I mean, I can't even, um, I, you know, I would say this is what I concluded out of this is that, I mean, it's a little bit intriguing. Um, do I want to do that while I'm living in Maryland with our crappy, humid, never ending <laughs> summers and lack of access to really fabulous trails and elevation? Probably not. Now, if I can move to Colorado and really get in real legitimate training, um, <laughs> then I might be a little bit more tempted. Um, and that maybe sounds a little wishy-washy and, and like an excuse, but it's, <laughs> it's just, I think again, I'm going to go back to the process and, and to me with racing, if I'm not enjoying the process, uh, I, I'm not going to do the race. You know, mm. it's just the means doesn't justify the ends. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I stand on it, but it sure was inspiring and, you know, I talked to a guy on my flight back who had, had taken him 42 hours and, and talking to him about the experience just was like, wow, that is, that's, that's pretty darn cool. But mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, that, you know, people like that, like him, he was out there for two overnights on that mountain and that's just kind of mind boggling to even recognize that. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. I you know. I could see myself hauling off and taking a little nap at some point, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I did a trail marathon back in 2016, and there was a double marathon that same weekend. I did the 26-2, and just thinking of the folks going 52-4, you know, when I'm back home all rested up and even going in the next morning, I'm thinking there's still people out there running right now. Oh, just, yeah. And then to think of a 100-mile race and UTMB being well, over 100 miles, it's just insane. It really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love to go over and just do like a, um, you know, a week long uh, along the, the course. I would love to go along and just like run say from refugio to refugio. I think that'd be really, really cool oh, yeah. over there. So yeah, that All would right. be pretty iconic. <laughs> oh. Well, before I let you go here, I do want to 
have your take on Elliot Kipchoge's masterful run yesterday in Berlin. Yeah. 201.39 official marathon world record. He did run two flat 25 seconds at breaking two, but that was all structured in order to run as fast as you can with the most ideal conditions. So this is now the official IAAF world record. 201.39 Berlin. He takes a minute and... 18 seconds? Yeah, (laughs) I think that's right. Yeah. Kometo's 202.57 from 2014 Berlin. Um, Gut reactions to seeing this Kipchoge time come across your Twitter feed. Yeah, I mean, crazy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's funny because, again, earlier in the week we were um, kind of having a Twitter conversation out there about the start time temperature um, because it was looking like it was going to be 60. And, uh, you know, I was kind of like, that's going to be probably a little on the warm side, you know, to pull off a world record. Um, so I, I, I guess I think the temperatures were a little bit cooler um, than what were predicted. So, but still, I, I, you know, I mean, come on, this this guy's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to go back to the patience game a little bit too. He, you know, he he negative split this sucker. Um, I can't and, believe that. <laughs> no, it's insane. It's insane. You know, and, and when you take his two halves apart and look at them, you know, they're insane. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just amazing, amazing, and he's just. Um, you know, we, we throw the term goat around a lot, and I mm-hmm. think uh, this time it really applies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just putting together his entire marathon resume today. Now 12 yeah. marathons, and to look top to bottom, outside of his 208.44 Rio Olympic gold medal run, his slowest is 205.30 in his debut. And yes. <laughs> you just look top to bottom, he's won 11 of his 12 marathons. Best to ever do it. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. I've run many a miles in my life and it, it's over my head to think of four thirty eight mile pace for twenty six point two. I know, I know. <laughs> it's so crazy. Mm. And to think you win by almost five minutes against such a yeah. stud field. Yeah. Every yeah. year Berlin churns out fast times and and just attracts top names and to think you win this race by nearly five minutes against this field. <laughs> it's superhuman. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Amanda. Well, we're, what's your website again? And then plug your social media as always. Sure. Um, website is amanda-loudon.com. It's L-O-U-D-I-N. Mm-hmm. Um, and social media, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Mississippi one. So, yep. yes. Awesome. As always, I'll be looking forward to the next piece of writing. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me. It was really fun to, to chat. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, need, so. I needed your gushing there about UTMB. Oh, I, yeah. I know uh, that was a trip of a lifetime and a lot of yeah. good stories. <laughs> I've got that for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again for listening to Hooray Run Podcast, episode 2020. Much appreciation to Amanda Loudon for taking time out of her busy writing schedule talk about her trip to UTMB, the festivities of that race, storylines, and give her take on Kipchoge's World Record Marathon. Hooray Run Podcast, it's on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Tell a friend, recommend it, leave a five-star review. It helps the podcast. It's free. This podcast is free. Simple review can go a long way. Hooray Run on social media, there's a Facebook page. Hooray Run on Twitter, at Hooray underscore run. And the Instagram, one word, Hooray Run. HoorayRun.com, email, 
hoorayrun at gmail.com. A lot of ways to get connected. As per usual, thanks to Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud for the intro and outro beats. And remember to celebrate every step. <laughs>